Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news. This is episode 139, recorded March 12th, 2023. I'm your host, Charles Current. And in today's episode, locksmiths used to steal two trucks and a Hellcat. Right to repair laws exclude security. Unlocking a 100-year-old mystery safe. A red team tool list. New dimple lock tools and other products. Videos, blog posts, criminals, events, meetups, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, or Apple Podcasts. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Some apps limit the show notes I can put out there, but you can always find the full show notes at thelocksportscast.com. And as usual, I will start off with the quick reminder that Locky Awards voting is open. Don't forget to get your votes in before the end of the month. And the emails I've received recently made me realize that I need to clarify a few details about my safe auto dialer and manipulation aid projects. Just to clarify, the only project that I am open sourcing is the simplest version of the safe manipulation aid. That's the one that only displays the dial position and has the display integrated into the encoder housing. The other versions of that project are based on the code for my auto dialer and are not going to be open sourced at this time. The autodialer project is not finished. I took a break from that project to work on something simpler than manipulation aids. And this is a side project that I work on in my free time. So no, I don't know when the autodialer will be finished or what features will ultimately be added or removed in the future. I have been asked if I will build and sell any of these projects. That is a possibility. If there's enough interest and I can make them for a price people are willing to pay, small batch production takes up my time that could be used on other things, and you don't get volume discount on parts with small batches. And at this time, I have no plans to make the simple version, the one that's going to be open source. The plans will already be out there for you to make it yourself. And after including my time and what that costs, it would end up costing almost as much as its bigger brother, the one that shows the dial position and the three wheel positions, the one without the touchscreen or computer interface. So since that one has more functionality and would end up being about the same price, I don't see it being worthwhile for anybody to want me to make that one. I'll just, I'm putting that one out there and you can make it yourself if you want it. All right, moving on to the news. The first article that was shared with me was New York's right to repair law excludes security tech. According to Security InfoWatch, New York's proposed right to repair law, which would allow consumers to repair their own electronic devices and make it easier for third-party repair shops to access parts and information, excludes security technology such as alarms and surveillance systems. This decision was made due to concerns about potential security risks of allowing unauthorized individuals access to information about bypassing controls or disabling security features. The article notes that the exclusion of security tech from the right to repair law is not unique to New York, and other states also have excluded similar technology from the legislation. So whether you agree or not, that is what is going on in the right to repair legislation in the country. Moving on to what's happening in the community. We had a post in Reddit 
about an unpickable 3D printed combination lock challenge. This was by user Beck Reddit. And they said, I made an unpickable 3D printed combination lock. I challenge everyone to try and open it. For more info and STLs, see the comments. And down there, he has a link to Google Drive folder with that information. And it says, I am not a lock designer or even a good 3D modeler. This is my final project for a CAD design class. So I would not be surprised if I missed something obvious. Its biggest weakness is probably some of the tolerances. They are very large. Please let me know if you have a way to pick it. I've printed up one without numbers and I could not figure out how to open it and gave up after an hour. If you have any questions or need more photos, let me know. Anyway, seems like an interesting challenge for those of you out there, especially those into combination locks. So I will have a link to that, of course, in the show notes. And over on Twitter, FoxPix posted, We have some amazing news, y'all. After three years of development, we have officially completed Pick Tac Toe. It will be premiered at B-Sides Harrisburg on March 11th. We hope to see you at the con this year and try out our new head-to-head lockpicking game. So, of course, by the time you hear this, B-Sides Harrisburg will be over. However, maybe we'll get some reports on what this game is actually like to play. As a quick description for the audio listener, there are two panels that are laid out identically. It's a pic-tac-toe at the top, really well-made, beautiful-looking panels with a 3 by 3 grid of locks embedded in them. I'm guessing that you have to pick a lock for the square that you want to take and just play tic-tac-toe as normal from there. Interesting. It'll be fun to find out what the actual rules are and what people thought of it after they played it. Moving on to videos. Lockpicker1969 released a video called About the Interview with the Lockpicker series. In the video, he goes over his motivation for creating the series, who he would like to interview, and a little uh, spoiler here, that's everyone in the lockpicking community, and how the process works and why you shouldn't be afraid to get in contact with him to talk about being interviewed. There's no commitment, so watch the video and get in touch with the Lockpicker 1969. Even if you don't necessarily think you have anything interesting to say, he will probably find something that's interesting about you. Check out the video, link in the show notes. And the Lockpicking Legend posted a video warning, Yale Lishi spacings wrong. And this is about the uh, Yale Lishi style lockpicks that uh, are available on Lockpick World and UK Bump Keys. And the video points out that many different manufacturers have used the Yale keyway, some of them with different pin spacings. So the pin spacings in a particular lock may not line up with how they are laid out on the Lishi itself. But even if the pin spacings don't match, you can still use the Lishi to pick those locks. The video also has a good demonstration of how the pick works in a Yale paracentric keyway, the angle the picking tip has to go at. It's it's interesting to watch. He does he uses one of his uh, end-on cutaways to show how the picking tip enters the pin chamber. Pretty pretty cool. And SE Lock and Key made a video that would be of interest to those of you in the locksmithing community, probably. 
uh, CCL Sesame Padlocks, huge price increases. He talks about how the distributor system works for this particular product and the huge price increase and minimum order quantities that appear to be in place. The result is the product that appears to be priced out of the market, in my opinion, but it's also very difficult to obtain, even if you're willing to pay the premium. For more information, check out Jason's video, SE Lock and Key, link in the show notes. Moving on to interesting blogs and articles here, we have Diamonds or Dud, Seattle Family Unlocks 100-Year-Old Mystery Safe. The article in video that's embedded talk about an old safe that the family had possession of. The inner safe, so the older safe, it has the big outer door, and then inside that it has another compartment locked by a small safe door. Trying to describe it the best I can here. They didn't have access to that inner compartment. After calling in a professional to open it, they found basically only a few old stock certificates, and they don't know if they are actually worth anything or not. Could be worth some money if they're still valid, or they could be worthless pieces of paper. With any old safe opening, the mystery safe opening, there is quite often a Big anticipation of what could be in there, and then usually a big letdown once you find out what is actually in there. Especially if you've paid the money to get somebody to drill or manipulate the safe open, and you find out it's empty or there's nothing but a few papers in there. It might be worth it to you to find out, but chances are you're just spending money on it and you're not going to buy anything. It's kind of like playing the lottery. Next up, we have Lessons Learned at a Two-Day Lockpicking Workshop, written by, I believe, Patrick McCarthy. It's about a two-day lockpicking workshop that the author attended, shares his experience and lessons learned during the workshop. The author talks about learning the techniques and tools used in lockpicking, as well as how to make lockpicks and tension wrenches. And I always find it interesting when someone discusses their first experience with lockpicking, especially when they find out how easy it really is to pick open a typical cheap padlock. Stuff like that always amuses me. Next up, we have an article in Insider, and it was entitled The 18 Coolest Business Cards We've Ever Seen. And the interesting part says, Jenny Matson designed this card for a hacker, entrepreneur, and all-around mischief maker. It's based on standard lockpick shapes, which can be easily removed from the card. And the photo is of a standard EDC-style lockpick card. But it has the subject's contact information laser engraved on it. I really like the idea. It looks really cool, and it's a really novel way to get your information to people. But at the same time, if you're actually trying to use them as business cards and you're going to be handing them out, it's going to get expensive pretty quick, probably. Moving on to products, a lot of new dimple picking stuff here this week. Over at Law Lock Tools, they have the L4V Dimple Impressioning System. Its description says, Our Locks 4 Vans L4V Dimple Impressioning System for the T-Series Dimple Locks. The system will quickly open both the LD and the LV profiles. Both the slam locks and dead locks can be defeated non-destructively. Opening times vary between 30 seconds and around 2 minutes, depending on how deep the cuts you have within your lock. No foil required, and once the lock is open, the lock can be decoded with the decoder card supplied and re-locked after use. 
And that is currently 300 pounds at Law Lock Tools. And over at UK Lock Pickers, they have the Leashy Style L4V 2-in-1 Pick. Not much description on it on their page. It just says Leashy Style L4V 2-in-1 Pick. Locks for Vans 6-Pin Auto Leashy Pick. What's interesting about this for me is that this is the first Leashy I've ever seen set up for a dimple style pick. It's a leashy style pick, but set up for a dimple lock. And it's a it's an interesting setup looking at how it works. Uh, that is £69.99 at uklockpickers.co.uk. And also over at UK Lock Pickers, they have the multi-dimple pick and decoder. And this one actually has a much better description. It says multi-dimple pick. If it fits, it will pick. This is the new and improved version. This is an excellent tool for both beginners and locksmiths alike because it picks high-security dimple locks with ease. With practice, you can open high-security locks in less than 30 seconds. UK lock pickers have put this multi-pick to the test. Below is a list of locks that this fits. If you come across a lock that isn't on the list, please email us so we can add it. And there is a list of several different dimple locks that this Pick will work with supposedly, and it is 185 pounds on uklockpickers.co.uk. And over at Red Team Tools, they have a pre sale or pre order of 33 gram canisters of R130A for rec sensor triggering. Their description starts off with a note that says, This current item listing is for a pre sale of goods that may become available in the future. These are not shipping immediately. If there is sufficient interest from the public, on this kind of item, we will proceed with the order that we have prepared with the supplier. They are ready to start production, but that will only happen if there is traction from you all, our customers. If sufficient interest does not manifest, then we will cancel these pre-orders and you will be refunded. The rest of the description reads, After months of research and negotiation with a gas supplier, Red Team Tools is prepared to offer a tool that will allow professional entry teams, first responders, and security testers the means of triggering passive infrared request-to-exit sensors through the use of R134A in a palm-sized package. Our air canister nozzle head tool, available separately, can accept these threaded canisters of refrigerant gas and produce small clouds of very cold air that can often unlock electronically controlled doors and in many cases prevent the activation of alarms and alerts within access control systems. These canisters are bayonet style and their threaded tops are designed to be pierced by the nozzle head adapter when it is being screwed into place. Once exhausted, it is in fact possible to refill these canisters and more news as well as instructions will be coming soon on that front. But for most entry teams, these will likely be considered consumable items. And there are more notes at the bottom of the page. One that I think is important is these are for sale domestically, shipping only within the United States at the present time. It also talks about the fact that, you know, it is a compressed gas cylinder. So even though it's non-hazardous, it is compressed gas and there are some restrictions on shipping because of that. Anyway, those are available for pre-order. You can either choose five for $60 US or 10 for $100 at redteamtools.com. And if you're into the red teaming thing, David Probinski has shared an updated version of his Red Team Physical Security Covert Entry EDC. This is a GitHub repository of tools and resources for red team operations. 
focused mostly on physical security and covert entry, and it includes tools such as lockpicks, bump keys, other covert entry devices, as well as resources such as training materials and instructional videos. I will have a link to that in the show notes if anyone is interested. Looks like it could be an interesting resource, and if nothing else, a fun read. Moving on to events and meetups, and just a reminder, these are all ones that have explicitly stated, or it is usually the case that they have some sort of physical security content in them, or either a lockpicking village or possibly even talks about physical security topics. So that is why they are included here, even though most of them are some sort of hacker conference. First up, we have the Lockpick Championship put on by Avent in Bergheim on March 25th. We have CypherCon. March 30th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hack for Kids Milwaukee, March 31st in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So same time as CypherCon. KernelCon, April 12th, Omaha, Nebraska. Besides Nashville, April 15th in Nashville, Tennessee. Besides New York, April 22nd in New York, New York. The RSAC Sandbox, April 25th in San Francisco, California. T223 InfoSec Conference, May 4th in Helsinki, Finland. KakalakiCon, May 5th in Durham, North Carolina. Besides Knoxville, May 12th in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hack for Kids Chicago, June 3rd in Chicago, Illinois. And Circle CityCon, June 23rd in Indianapolis, Indiana. Moving on to the Lockpickers United belt section, I don't actually don't have any new belts to announce this week, but I do have some changes to the belt ranking systems that uh, were put out in February 27th, and I failed to notice, so those need to be announced here. We have new additions to the system. We have the Dorma DC400 will be ranked as blue. Yanai R2200M is a black 2. The Goal S with five pins, blue. The Abus S6 Plus, blue. The Asa Twin Combi with gin drivers is black too. The MNC Matrix without sidebar is blue. The Fuki Tier Key is brown. And the Season Atlas, red. And then we have some upgrades. The Kaba Ace with 13 or more pins will be moving from brown to red. The Kaba Ace with less than 13 pins will be moving from purple to brown. We have several downgrades. The Abloy Protect 2 is going from black 4 to black 3. Abus D6 from blue to green. The Matura Champions C30, C31, C39 will be going from blue to green. The Fichet Bausch M2B, M3B, and MXB black 2 to black 1. Mature Champions C43, C44, and C48 from black 1 to red. The Abloy Classic further downgraded from red to brown, a long way from the black belt it started at. The Western Electric 29A and B, black 2 down to purple. The Fichet F3D indoor cylinder will be going from black 4 to black 1. And the Wall, Wassall, Locks Ace 7 Lever, Black 1 to Purple. That's a big demotion. 
And those are the major changes. There are a few other changes in listing stuff, but not any rank changes. So for anyone not already familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system or why you'd want to be a part of it, check out the links in the show notes. I have links to the official rules as well as some videos and other pages explaining what the system is, why it's a fun game, and why you might want to participate. And now it's time to take a quick break. Say thank you to the people that made this particular episode possible. Start with the financial supporters. We have Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams, Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Lee Bond's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Terrell, aka Anthony, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cooltoon, Mog, John Lock, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lockpicker, Bare Bones Lockpicking, Deadbolt Cafe, NWA Lockpicker, Snake, Paracentric, and John R. Chief content producer for this episode is Terrell, aka Anthony. Other content producers, Bare Bones Lockpicking, Good Guy, iFisk, Iona West, Joshua Gonzalez, Knox Locks, Lady Locks, Oak City Locksport, Open Lock, Panda Frog, The Lockpicker 1969, Tony Verley, and ZLocks.ca. Thank you to all of you for your support. This show would not be possible without all the information sent in by the community. And so if you want to help keep this show going, please help support it by sending in news, links, events, giveaway information, any kind of information at all that you think the Locksport community should be aware of or might want to be aware of. Any fun stories, anything that you think is interesting to the community, send it to either podcast at locksportscast.com or tag me on social media on the accounts listed in the show notes. Don't forget to share the show with your lockpicking friends. Leave a comment, review, thumbs up, whatever the platform you consume it on allows. If you want to support financially, you can. You can donate via PayPal, Patreon, or Subscribestar. It's definitely not required, but always appreciated. If you support the show with either a donation or information I use in the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes, just like the people I just mentioned. If you want to send feedback, that is always welcome, and that can be either private or public. If you want it public, please just keep it reasonable length, polite, work family safe, no politics and not just drama. And if you want it read on the show, I can do that as well as long as it follows those criteria. Moving on to criminal news. I don't know if you remember, but a few episodes ago, I did the Great Butter Heist. Well, this time it is the Great Toothpaste Heist. On Sunday, Wellington County, Ontario Provincial Police responded to a report of a freight theft on Highway 7. It was reported that a white Volvo semi-truck and a white 53-foot trailer had been stolen from a storage lot. The trailer was reported to contain approximately $250,000 worth of toothpaste. Not necessarily related to lock picking or anything like that, but I just find it interesting what, uh, what people are stealing to sell on the black market there. Butter and toothpaste. So... Last week, I reported on a truck being stolen from the Hobby Airport in Texas with the aid of a locksmith. Unfortunately, it appears to be the exact same thing was allowed to happen again. This article was entitled, Victim in Tears After Truck Becomes Second Vehicle Stolen from Lot Near Hobby Airport by the Same Alleged Thief. According to this article, which was published on March 11th, a woman was left in tears after her truck was stolen from a parking lot near Hobby Airport in Houston, Texas, this being the second one to be stolen by the same alleged thief from the same lot in a matter of days, only a few parking spaces apart from each other in the same storing garage. The parking lot where the incident occurred was identified as 
Fast Park and Relax. One of the victims said that Fast Park and Relax had said that they would share videos and images of the theft, but has since refused. The other victim reported that the lot management previously offered to cover the insurance's $1,000 deductible, but now that lot's insurance is denying the claim. In an email, lot management told ABC 13 that they had adjusted their safety measures since the thefts, which include increased verification measures and assigned facility escorts for vendors entering the lot, while tow assistance and locksmith assistance are required by guests from time to time. We are retooling our vendor verification to limit ill intent. Heightened protocols formalizing documentation of vehicle registration and proof of insurance, along with valid driver's license to establish vehicle ownership for all instances of lost tickets and keys. Revised lost ticket forms, increased shuttle patrol units, updated training for all employees. And a suspect has been arrested and charged with both thefts after a pursuit that ended with one of the victim's trucks being totaled. And not to be outdone, another criminal decided to steal a Hellcat Challenger from high school parking lot with the use of another locksmith. According to the reports, the theft of the Dodge Challenger Hellcat happened in a high school parking lot in Haltom, Texas. The locksmith assisted the thief after only seeing a fake student ID provided by that thief and given a phone number to a burner phone to text with. According to the Haltom City Police, the car thief reached out to All Auto Tech, a local locksmith company. The locksmith, who police said was not a suspect in the case, told NBC5 he communicated with a client via text message about unlocking a muscle car parked at Haltom High School. And the locksmith shared a screenshot of the conversation with NBC5. In the text exchange, the client said he needed a key for a challenger and asked how much it would cost him. Locksmith replied $200. A few texts later, the client stated, My car is in school and I don't know if you are willing to come to, to my school. The locksmith said that when he arrived at the place, the guy showed him a school ID. The client also asked for a key fob to be programmed. And the locksmith said he didn't need to see any further ID at that point because, or any other information because he had already seen the student ID. He was at the school and the idea was for that school, so he didn't evidently check for a driver's license, insurance, a registration, anything. So in the end, all the locksmith has of this thief that stole the car and evidently supposedly stiffed him the $200 is a cell phone number to a phone that has since been disconnected. The owner of the Hellcat, which is the father of the uh, student that drove it to school, has filed an official complaint against that locksmith. There doesn't appear to have been due diligence done in this case. And, and this is from the locksmith's mouth. The, the, if you check out the article, there's a video of the locksmith giving brief bits of his story, but he doesn't seem to, to take any responsibility for this at all. Doesn't seem to think he needs more ID than just that student ID. From the fly-by-night outfits that are taking advantage of people in need who are locked out, need lockout service, overcharging them, drilling out their locks, all that kind of stuff, to now numerous reports of, of locksmiths being used to steal people's vehicles because they're not doing any kind of due diligence is just, uh, it's really going to erode trust and hurt the industry. 
Moving on to sales. We have the same ones as last week. Artisan Ideas, where you can get the Antique Locks and Keys, their History, Uses, and Mechanisms book. We'll give you a discount if you use the code JASON. Multipick has their spring sale, where you can save up to 30% off until March 19th. There are also multiple 10% off discount codes for Multipick listed at the link in the show notes. Over at lockpickersmall.com, that's not lockpick mall, that's lockpickersmall, you can get 15% off with the code 15PCOFF. And over at ZFix, they have a specials page where you can uh, check out what they have a discount on. And at Bare Bones Lockpicking, you can save 10% off if you use the code do not duplicate 10 until March 31st. At 3DLockSport.com, you can save 10% off with the code LSCAST10. Over at Southord, they have both their sale items page and their cosmetically blemished page where you can uh, save on items on either one of those pages. If you're shopping at Law Lock Tools, you can try to use Review Guru's discount code for 10% off. There's a link in the show notes to his Twitter post on that. At Mako Locks, you can get 15% off with the code BUYAMAKO. And at UKLockPickers.co.uk, 10% off if you use the code GIFT. Moving on to giveaways. Lockpicker 1969's latest giveaway is 500 subscriber special Locksport bundle giveaway. That started today and drawing will be held on March 25th. I am led to believe that there are quite often giveaways over on the Picking Time live streams. So be sure to check that out. And I know there will be one on March 19th because Knox Locks put out a video, St. Patrick's birthday bash with lady locks and the crew uh video in that video he announces that he's going to be giving away several things during the picking time live live stream that he's been invited on on march 19th so be sure to check that one out and every week clk supplies does their hashtag lock boss giveaway where you can win prizes weekly as well as be entered in a larger drawing for a key cutting machine. So be sure to check that out if you're into giveaways. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening. Remember to send me any information you have that's Locksport related. And even if you don't think it's important, please send it in. I can use every bit I can get. It might just be, might just be the little bit of information that I need that goes with something else I'm working on. Like today, we had multiple different dimple pick and specifically the L4V Uh, picks all together. So thank you, and remember, keep it legal. 